Welcome to the Alpha Dude Podcast with Michael Pulser. What would it be like if you knew that you were unstoppable and you could live life on your terms? Better yet, how good would it feel knowing that on your deathbed, you had fulfilled all your potential and more? Life on Earth has a beginning and an end. It's what you do in the middle that counts. Let's look at how to make that part even better. So you got out of bed this morning. It was so comfortable, but now you're up. What are you going to do? You're going out, maybe you're going to train for a marathon. Perhaps you're on the way to owning your own company. Or maybe you're on holidays and you're going to relax all day by the pool. Now, some of these are noble pursuits and other ones we do for other reasons. But have you ever thought about why you're doing the things you're currently doing? Continuing to ask the why questions is a process which allows us to see our actions with extreme clarity. And only when we have this laser focus can we fulfill our potential to the extreme. And by doing this, you just have to drill down and look at your current path, asking why, going further and further down. Why am I still smoking? Why do I go to the gym three days per week? Why do I want to own the company? So step one is looking at why, looking at your motives, looking at why you're doing the things that you're doing. Once you've examined this, then move on to the next section of what. And that looks like looking at the alternatives and what you can do in place. So bringing out the what questions, we look at what else could we be doing? What am I trying to achieve? And in what ways will this be the best use of my time? Once you have truly examined the why and the what, you can then Notice how the other things just come out automatically. The where, the how, the when, they flow automatically once you know that there's an alternative that you should be pursuing. And then you have to spend the time focusing on this as you go into forming your new plans. So make sure that you're aware of why you're doing things. Look at the alternatives using the what questions and then watch the other things flow. And from that place, Make sure you meditate on that and give it the time that you need to change your plans if you need to. Now, a final tip on this is that when you're doing this, it's hard to know if what your current perception is going to be beneficial. Because let's say that you decided that you're going to run that marathon. When you decided to do it, was it the right choice? It's an extremely hard question to answer, but What I can tell you is that if you were in the right headspace when you made that decision, make sure you're not in the wrong headspace when you try to undo it. So what does this look like? It goes back to the episode on perceptual filters. When you make decisions, make sure that you're in the right headspace, you examine it, give it the time that it needs, and then move ahead. Don't chop and change as the problems come up. Be very intentional. And... One of the perceptual filters that I highly recommend is the perceptual filter of altruism where you're just looking around, you've got love coming out of your heart, you want to be altruistic to other people and this changes everything. A quick example from my life. I remember I went on this amazing holidays to a country that I won't mention but it's a country of contrast. On one side, you have extreme wealth, and on the other side, you had extreme poverty and homelessness. And we planned this holiday to be amazing. 
we went on all the all the holiday attractions. We went to the zip lines, the theme parks, the natural wonders, the islands, the resorts, shoppings, bars, relaxing by the pool, hanging out with friends. It was just an amazing trip. I also got to meet up with some martial arts masters, which is one of my hobbies, and spend some time training. But out of everything that we did, there was one thing that popped out and stuck in my memory, and it was nothing to do with any of the amazing things I mentioned. It was when I visited the other side, when I went to see the poor and disadvantaged people, and I realized how much they were suffering. Anyone couldn't help but just reach out and help in some way. And the way in which I could help, I just went down to the grocery store and I bought as much groceries as I could, loaded them into the car, packed the bags full in each bag. I'd even put a little chocolate onto each one. And then we'd drive around the neighborhood and we'd feed the poor and homeless people, especially the children. We'd hear the stories that these people haven't eaten for days and in some cases more than a week, covered in dirt, completely unclean. Those memories of helping people were the best part of that entire holiday. So, hey, I could have saved a lot of money just by going out and doing that. But what my point is, is that once I had my altruistic filters on, suddenly everything changed. And that becomes not only the most significant part for other people, but it becomes the most significant part for you too. You see, helping people and being altruistic is not so much about helping others, although that's the main focus. It's also about how it changes you. And once you feel that and experience it at the deep level and you do it for the right reasons, you'll notice that everything starts to change. Many people do not take the time to examine their life because it means that once you understand that you have responsibility, then the buck stops with you. And when this happens, you are responsible for what happens in your life. And this is both scary and liberating. And to look into this further, I'd like to introduce our next guest, Claire Pyle, who is a coach. Claire will share her journey and how she went from the lowest point in her life to turning it around all through the understanding and realization that by taking responsibility for what happens to her, she takes control. Here is Claire. Hello. Thank you, Michael, for inviting me onto your podcast. I was very interested to hear how you introduce each episode. I see that you and I share a view on life that you speak about in that opening. I've also chosen to live a life that counts so that I can never look back on my life and say, if only, or I wish I had. My name is Claire Palm. I'm a glass half full type of person. I love to meet people from all over the world, so I'm really enjoying speaking to you today. The most important things in my life are my family, my faith in God, and my friends. For me, life wouldn't be complete without books to read and chocolate and coffee to share with friends. To all our listeners, the fact that you're listening tells me that you too want to live an unstoppable, on-purpose life and make your life count. Thank you to each of you for listening with me today. Now, I'm a life coach and I empower people who feel unfulfilled with their life by showing them that they do have what it takes to find their purpose, to live the life that will make them feel fulfilled. 
It took a near-fatal illness and a long, hard journey back to health for me to gain the experience I now use to help other people overcome their struggles and setbacks. To learn the skills to help others, I studied to become a life coach, and today I help other people to turn the low points of their life in around to become the most significant time of their life. Today I want to talk to you about our turning points in life. And my turning point took me from near death to finding a reason and a purpose to live. Most of us, I'm sad to say, tend to take our lives for granted and we see the negatives far more easily than we see the positive things that happen around us. It's a bit like the caterpillar turning into the butterfly. Um, the caterpillar is like my previous life, um, where I took things for granted. I knew that as I crawled along the little branches of life, there'd be another leaf to eat and somewhere to sleep tonight and another leaf tomorrow, and that really wasn't much of a purpose. But then it comes time for the um, that caterpillar to spin its cocoon around itself. That's time for change. And when it spins the cocoon, it has to make it tight. Because if there's no pressure applied to the caterpillar, it won't change at all. And once that, that uh, pressure has been applied and that change has taken place inside that cocoon, that little caterpillar still has to now squeeze its way, eat its way and squeeze its way out of the cocoon. And that's what I think the, the low points and the hardships in our life are all about. It's being inside that cocoon when there's pressure applied to us. But finally, one day, we get to crawl our way out of that cocoon and we emerge as a butterfly. So the new you and the new me is much more beautiful, much more interesting um, than the old one. And we can fly. So we can go further. We can be seen by more people. And we're far more beautiful than as a butterfly than we were as a caterpillar. Have you ever experienced this, the similar to the cocoon, caterpillar to cocoon to butterfly scenario, where the, the lowest point of your life leads to the most significant turning point in your life? Well, this is my story. 13 years ago, while our family was living in Botswana, I had a serious illness. It was possibly encephalitis or West Nile fever. The doctors weren't sure. I don't remember much about those first three or four months. I just knew that I was lucky to be alive. And over the next few years, I was gradually able to get up for a little bit longer, do a little more, but I lived with a head that continuously burned with pain. And I got tired to the point of needing to sleep every few hours. The simplest chores were beyond me. The doctors told me that I would stay the way I was, no chance of getting better. And that... When I heard that, that was my lowest point. I can still hear and see the specialist handing down that sentence of diagnosis on me. And today I can still remember the weight, the sense of disbelief I felt then on hearing my fate. After I received my diagnosis, I literally just sat. I was numbly processing my emotions. And a picture came into my mind of one of those plastic blow-up toys in my mind, and in my picture, the toy was one of those punch bags that stands on the ground. And when you hit the punch bag, it topples over. But because there's a weight at the bottom, it doesn't stay down. It slowly rights itself. And right then, I felt like that punch bag knocked down. I was shocked and numb. And life looked very dark at that point. 
Yet somehow, I wasn't prepared to accept my fate. There was no logical reason why I shouldn't accept doctors in different relevant fields related to my illness and taken various medications, but none of them had even reduced my symptoms. Now, even though I was knocked down, I somehow just knew that there was a stabilizer, like that punch bag's weight deep inside me, that refused to let me stay down. I don't know how, but I knew that one day I would stand up straight again. I may have been down, but I wasn't out for the count. But from that time, a seed of hope had been planted deep inside me, fed by my will, or perhaps it was stubbornness, to not give up. I know that it was also fueled by my faith in God that he would never let me down. My subconscious mind was processing all this information because it was just too much for me to consciously think about. It was more than enough for me just to cope with the everyday struggle with chronic fatigue, constant pain, and not to be able to participate in the life that was going on around me. You may be asking, as I did, what is it that made you refuse to accept your fate? And what made you strong enough to be able to push forward to find ways to get better. Unfortunately, I don't actually know the answer to that, to why I didn't give up. I think for me, what lay ahead looked like a better option than where I was then. I thought, surely the future of both my health and what my life would look like couldn't be worse than where I was now. My conscious decision was more to leave the physical state I was in than to know where I was going to end up. Trying something or anything to improve my situation looked like a better option than giving up. Our minds and bodies need time to recuperate and heal after shock and trauma. Maybe you, just like me, feel guilty taking time to rest and heal when we need it. But really, do we ever benefit ourselves by pushing ourselves to do the things we did when we were well? What we think we ought to be doing while we're going through illness or trauma? I'm not just talking about major illness here. I think that when we go through any illness or trauma, for example grief, we tend to push ourselves and overdo things out of guilt. No, let's say no to this unnecessary guilt. I'm glad I eventually pushed that guilt aside and gave my body the time it needed to rest and regain some strength without which I could not start healing. I hope you too can replace your feelings of guilt when necessary by taking care of yourself first before you try to take care of those around you. As the saying goes, you can't pour from an empty cup. So far I've told you about the lowest point in my life. My turning point came as a result of my realization that all my qualifications that I'd obtained were worth less than the paper certificates hanging on my wall. I could no longer do the things I'd studied and trained to do. Everything that had defined me, which I could offer society and do for my family, was gone. Useless. I was worthless. I felt like nobody. I'm sure you have asked, been asked the question at some time. Tell me about yourself. I imagine that your answer would have been the same as mine. You would list your profession, your work, title, your hobbies, your family, etc. But is that you? Have you ever answered the same question Question by mentioning your strengths, what you enjoy doing, how you relate to people, etc. Have you ever really thought about who the real you is? What makes you come alive? 
What uniqueness do you bring to the world? Because we all have something to contribute to our world that is more than just our work, title, and so on. The most important and powerful lesson that I learned on my journey was this, that even though all the things I could do were wiped out by that virus, there was still me, the person, and I was worth something. Through this experience, I learned that by believing in who I am, as well as what I can do, it is possible to turn a hopeless situation into a successful and happy future. As I dug deep into myself and my faith in God, I discovered hidden strengths which I know God gave me. This strength gave me the confidence and determination to turn my hopeless situation into a brighter future and a new normal, which I know is so much better than my old normal. I'm a butterfly now, where I used to be a caterpillar. You know those if-onlys, we say to ourselves. These are my two if-onlys. If only I could go back to the day the virus invaded my body and I'd stayed away from everyone and not exposed myself to the virus. My second is, if only I could go back to the day the doctor misdiagnosed me. I would have asked to see a doctor who would have given me the treatment in time to stop the virus from wreaking havoc in my body. Hindsight, it's real, isn't it? And it's unhelpful. And sometimes it's cruel. You're going to call me crazy now, but even though I did come up with these if-onlys, I actually would not have gone back and chosen different outcomes. Despite all the pain, the financial implications, the extra burden for my family, isolation from friends, and all the things I still can't do, I'm so grateful that I had the opportunity to learn all the valuable lessons I learned, to not take life for granted, discovering who I am, and finding out what really matters in life. It took a long time for me to begin to heal and get back to any semblance of normal. The after effects of my illness seriously disrupted my life and the lives of my family, but I refused to accept the seamless, hopeless situation I find myself in. I refused to accept my physical condition and kept asking, what if I could do something more? Or maybe I can try and do this or that a different way. I kept going with my efforts to do more, do things differently. I was determined to be well, to be myself again. Today I'm so much better that people who haven't seen me since way back when I first got sick are amazed to see how much better I am. I didn't find one way to get better, but I found for me it was a new lifestyle based on four things. One was a combination of medication, nutritional supplements, and essential oils that relieved my symptoms and enabled me to function as normally as possible. The second was identifying the triggers that contributed to my chronic fatigue, such as driving and going out at night, and I tried to avoid these things as much as possible. The third thing was exercise. I played mental games to improve my short-term memory, and physical exercise was also important. We got a puppy, and I walked at the puppy's pace, at first very slowly for short distances, and as the puppy grew and could walk further and faster, so did I. Um, by the way, we didn't buy the puppy, get the puppy as part of my therapy. It just all seemed to happen at the same time. But I'm so glad we got our puppy. 
There is now five. Now I can manage a few meters of a shuffle that is almost a run five years down the line. And the fourth thing which um, helped me was to take on any work I could, to use the time, the energy, and the abilities that I had. And as I grew stronger, I took on more work, drew on more energy and time, and new abilities as I discovered them. Through this experience, I believe, learned that believing in who I am, as well as what I can do, please don't take that mistake. The fourth thing was taking on any work I could, using the time, the energy and the abilities that I had. And as I grew stronger, I could take on more work and draw in more energy, and I had more time and new abilities that I discovered. The most important lesson of all is learning that life is really a gift. We can't take our life or the lives of anyone else for granted. Every day, I'm grateful to be alive. I'm aware of the fact that no matter what I'm going through, there is always someone who's worse off than me. No matter how weak I am, there is always someone I can help in some small way. One final lesson which is important for you to hear, especially if you have family and children. My biggest anxiety while I was so ill was that my being so weak was unfair on my family and made their lives hard. I fretted because I couldn't fetch my children after school or attend the activities or afford to give them everything their peers had. And the list goes on. Guess what? Our children don't know a life different to the one they have. They also accept us as we are. They accept their life as it is. In spite of all the things we think they are missing out on, they can grow up and become the people God created for them to be, in spite of the things. It's all about choice, how we choose to respond to our circumstances. Maybe you've also been through dark days and hard times. Maybe you're still struggling through an awful situation. Maybe your lowest point wasn't an illness, but some other experience that disrupted your life. You too know what it's like to feel angry, to ask, why me? and to feel hopeless about the future. It's so normal to ask, why me, isn't it? I realize the question is actually, why not me? We live in a fallen world, sadly, where bad things happen to good people. Yet, we can choose how we respond to what's going on around us and what we're going through. You and I get to choose. Are we going to be a victim of our circumstances? Or are we going to choose life on our terms, in spite of our circumstances? One of my all-time favorite quotes is, Everything can be taken from a man but one thing, the last of the human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. This is a quote by Viktor Frankl. If you haven't heard of Viktor Frankl, you must look him up. You will really be inspired by his story. I feel so privileged that I had the opportunity to learn so many valuable lessons and truths while I was ill. I learned that who we are on the inside, our values and how we live our life is what really matters. I learned that our status is not determined by achievements. I learned that our significance comes from how we treat others, not how others treat us. Our life is a breath. I want my life to count for something irrespective of my life circumstances. Even though it doesn't make sense, there is a purpose in suffering. It's our choice whether we see the purpose or not. 
and there is no point in letting what we have endured go to waste. God, in his wisdom, allowed me to suffer, and he wants to use my suffering for his glory, just as he wants to do with your suffering. Please note, I don't believe God causes us to suffer, but sometimes he allows us to go through suffering, sufferings for a reason. My purpose would not exist without my pain. I know God has a purpose for my life that is greater than my pain. Over the years, I've had to mourn the loss of a number of things I can no longer do. However, I decided to take advantage of the skills I did have and do things I never considered doing before. And so I created a new normal, a butterfly life. Today, the work that I do is based on my background as an educator and my experience in the School of Life, together with my life coach training. Throughout my recovery, I had people who watched my life and listened to my story. They said they admired my strength and my positive attitude to my situation, and my faith that things would turn out fine for me. People went away feeling encouraged and also wanted to be strong and positive. All this time I've been searching for a way to find purpose in my pain. I know that sounds like a cliche, but it explains perfectly what I want you to know. Sharing my story had encouraged people and made them positive and confident to discover their own strengths and to live their life with purpose. I started looking for a way, a vehicle to reach more people, to pass on the lessons I had learned in a way that would help them get through their own trials, whether physical, emotional, grief, etc. Then one day I read an article about a woman who was essentially doing the work I wanted to do. She was a life coach and she was helping young adults to discover their passion and strengths and giving them self-confidence and determination to find and live out their purpose. Now I've found the vehicle that I've been looking for. I trained as a life coach to add skills, etc. to my experience, which would enable me to help people going through their trials to not just survive, but thrive. So I empower people who, for whatever reason, feel unfulfilled with their life by showing them that they have what it takes to live a fulfilled life. As I mentioned earlier, I love to meet people and I would love to have a virtual coffee with you to hear about your turning point or what you're going through or the circumstances you're trying to overcome. Please like my Facebook page, it's Claire Pyle, Life Coach, and visit my website which is www.clairepyle.com. The links will be in the introduction notes. Please leave me a message on my website or Facebook page. Let's talk. Find the strength you have inside of you and let's find your breakthrough to live your best life. Thank you for listening with me. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. If so, rate it from the place you downloaded it. For any questions, send an email to michaelpulser at gmail.com.